you're a school-aged kid, if you're a boom kid, do you want to come on down the front? Because we are just celebrating the end of another fantastic curriculum. This time around, the kids have been talking about the beats, which are the Beatitudes, some of the powerful truths of life that, um, that Jesus speaks. Erin, do you want to hand these out? And um, each of these Beatitudes, they've, they've turned into a beat that the kids have been learning, that they've been trying to get out in their life. And um, I'm not going to wrap it for you, sorry. No, no. So I guess you can even think you need them. But um, no, you could maybe. You should, you next time. Um, and we just want to celebrate you kids. Our um, boom kids are now in the new, um, for, in the gymnasium, which is super exciting. So boom kids, we are going to head out this way. Maybe just wait there, Karakia. You can lead the way. And our little legends, we are heading out this way because we are in the drama room. It's an exciting season for our kids' ministry. And we want to bless you guys. You are fantastic. Awesome. Okay, boom, kids, this way. maybe you haven't seen for a while.
awesome. We're going to enter back into a time of worship. So, so stand to your feet. Let's get ready just to, to pour our hearts out to him in this space this morning.
mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. Shadow, you won't light up. 
we open ourselves to you. Maybe you just want to close your eyes. Maybe open your hands. Have a, a posture that says, I'm open. Oh, God, we need more of your love. God, we thank you, Lord, that nothing can separate us from your love. There's nothing that we could ever do, and you will not let anything get in the way. Lord, not even death can separate us from you. And Father, we ask that you would overwhelm us with your love. Even right here, right now, overwhelm us with your love. Speak your love over us. Sing your love over us. What are the words of love that he's whispering to your heart, to the deepest place in you, to the child in you? delight in who you are. I've made you who you are. I've made you on purpose. And I'm so proud of you, my child. Oh, Father, we love the way that you love us. We love the way that you love us. You're so faithful, so patient, so kind. Oh God, what you put up with from us because of your love. God, we receive your love today. We lean into your love. Isn't it so good to be in his presence? Maybe you've got some worries you need to give him some worries about today, some affairs about tomorrow. Don't let them separate you from him. Just give them to him. We invite you in, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you accept us fully. We receive your embrace. We receive the, the being enfolded into your family today. It's crazy how you love us, God. Keep speaking to us of your love. Amen. Hey, it's a special space, eh? Man, I needed that this morning. Yeah? I needed it. I don't know. I don't know how I go how you can go without us. I'm always here on a Sunday. But every Sunday, I'm like, man, I needed that. And I just, I just can't go. Maybe I'm addicted. I don't know. Maybe I've got a dependency problem. That might be true. And I don't think it's a problem. But it's just so good to get in the presence of God. Isn't it? Why don't you grab a seat? I'm so pleased you're here today. It's wonderful to see you. Um, we are... We are South Life Church, not for a whole lot longer, less than a month, and we're going to become a Quivers Timaru, which is very exciting, very exciting. Hey, just want to let you know about ways that um, we can give. We don't take up our offerings in the service, but we have uh, ways that you can give electronically through your tithes and offerings. There's some information on the um, desk out in the foyer. Uh, we also have push pay. There's a cash box there, lots of options. Uh, if you want to know any more information, you can chat to me and I'll... Um, 
sort you out with that. Now, over the weekend, we had a lot of men in this place. A bit of testosterone reversing the estrogen that is normally present in the girls' school. I don't know how it smelled by the end of yesterday, but it smelled good. I think we've been airing it out this morning. Musk, a manly musk. Excellent. Um, it was a great time. Jerry's going to come down and um, he's going to share something. You know that you're about this. Don't give me that face. It makes me go, he doesn't know about this. <laughs> you do. Jerry's going to share something significant that, that God's been doing for him. How many of us know that Jesus said in Matthew, oh, not Matthew, John 11:25, I am the resurrection and I am the life. You see, uh, here at the men's conference, we have actually, we have experienced, we have experienced revival. And sometimes we find with it. But we sometimes struggle with something that was dead that will come alive. And uh, I'm doing this on purpose because I've learned so much this weekend. More about who God is. I've been serving Him for such a long time. Being involved in church and ministry for so many years. I was sitting there and Richie was sitting there. And I knew that God was working with both of us. Because we just need that space. You know what was amazing? I could just be who I am. You know what? They were talking about so many things and all the messages actually touched me. But especially the one where they were talking about the platform that God will give us. You know, sometimes God allows us to, to choose those platforms. But you know, when God is working the most powerful times in our lives is when He chooses the platforms. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And the platform was on Calvary. It was like, who was hanging next to Jesus? A murderer. Another platform. And He turned to Jesus saying, Think of me. And Jesus turned around saying, You will be with me. I was sharing at the men's group a wee while ago, the guy working with me. He's into other spiritual stuff. He's a psychic. I know him for 10 years. Thursday morning, I was out in the community working, coming back at lunchtime. And as we are as South Africans, we are loud and we're not afraid to do anything what we feel we want to do. And I walked to all the Officer saying, hi, everyone, how are you? I'm here this afternoon. And I walked into his office and I said, hey, man, how are you? And he threw his hands backwards and he held his head saying, and he started crying. Platform. And I said to him, can I? And before I said, can I pray with you? He said, will you pray with me? And I said, mate, what's wrong? He said, my uncle is dying. He's in hospital. Cancer. Terminal. I have to sign the documentation. The doctor said if they can open it, they can't do anything. His request is that they must just let him. And in that moment, it 
was that platform. And sometimes we're afraid of doing this. Can you smell this? One of the messages. I was barbecuing with this on Friday night. And one of the messages was that sometimes we are so afraid that we will go back to the old life. And I will hide this. And guess what? God didn't change us from the outside in. He changed us from the inside out. And when we're out there in the community, I want to encourage you. It's a platform. God has chose for you. And that was the message that I've received again this week. Go out like an Abraham, not knowing where you're going, but knowing that God is going to take you there. The platform. You might be the only Jesus that anyone will ever see. They will be closer to you than they will ever be to Jesus. You will be the only gospel that they will ever hear. And that's what I've received this weekend. Just a reminder, there's so much more to come. Don't run away from the platform that God is setting for you and for us as a church. I was so excited. I took so many videos and sent it to South Africa and sent it to other people, non-Christians too. You know what? It's a platform. Don't hide from this. I know some of you don't like it. But when the All Blacks and, the, and New Zealand play against uh, Springboks and the All Blacks play against each other, I can never lose. <laughs> I'm a citizen of both countries. I can never lose. But I like to wear this sometimes too. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Jerry. I was hoping maybe we could get away without mentioning it, but... um. Yeah, that's all good. That's all good. I'm going to invite Pastor Dave. He's going to come up and share the word. We're doing a series on our heartbeats, which are the, the values of um, our church. And I've been loving the series because it just taught the, the things that we're going through. I, I think about it and I hear about it and I just go, wow, it's just so biblical. And it's just so good. It meets in me. I go, yeah, that's a, that's a community. That's a family I want to be a part of. You know, a family that is honoring, a, fa a family that is excelling, that's advancing, that's reaching out, and, and a family that's together. You know, I pray, and I pray that you too, as we go through this series, you kind of go, oh, this is just such a thing of God that it stirs something in the deep places in me that says, yeah, I'm behind this. I want to be a part of this because it's just, it's such a God thing. So I look forward to hearing today. Thanks, Mayor. Hey, church. I did wonder when I messaged out the guys who are stronger um, about sharing about something. Jerry was bang. He was in there straight away. And now I know why. He had an agenda. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, I didn't see the game, but I watched the highlights on my phone this morning. And by all accounts, uh, the South Africans deserved the victory. So well done to them. Um, but, you know, we're going to come back stronger. Uh, stronger is the word of this weekend. Hey, uh, as Matt said, we're in our, our Heartbeat series, and currently we've got here, H-E-A-R, and uh, it's great to hear about things, but we need a T on the end. Um, so we looked at, we've looked at um, H is honoring one another. We're called to honor. E is to excel. God calls us to excel in our world. Uh, a is to advance. We're to grow and advance. Uh, in our faith and, and as a church, as a people, and as individuals. Um, and R is about reaching out. We're called as a people to reach out. 
But our final one in this series, and I actually think the most important, is T, which is together. Everybody turn to your name and say together. Because we are together. Why is it important that we are together? I mean, is it, is it actually that important? Is it actually that key? Because, you know, I'm pretty awesome by myself. Uh, you're pretty awesome by yourselves. So why, why is it that we need to be together? I, I think there's kind of three key reasons that we need to be together. The first one is that we live in a very lonely and a very isolated world. In the West, I don't know if you've noticed, but we are, we're in one ways the most connected, but in other ways the least connected generation ever. Like we can, you know, I can Skype my sister in, in New York and, and, and talk to her um, via that means. Um, that's incredible. But at the same time, how much time do I spend face-to-face with others compared to how much time I spend on my phone watching videos or messages from other people? Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a disconnect there. But I think in, in New Zealand and in the West in general, we're, we're, we like our isolation. We like our own space. And, and there's a, you know, we have some terrible stats in New Zealand. Our suicide stats are among the worst in the world. And it just speaks to the loneliness and the, and the isolation that is prevalent in our society. I actually, I actually genuinely believe if we are connected well with God and well with others as a nation, then our suicide stats would, would drop away. They would, they, would, they would virtually not exist because I think, uh, you know, when you, when you have genuine relationship with God and w- with others, that's what we're designed for. God is a God of relationship. And unfortunately, I think in, in, it slipped into the church, this idea that I can just do it with God. It's about, you know, me and God. And, w- and we're, if we're tight, that's all I really need. It's just, just me and him. Um, but that's actually not true at all. In fact, if you go right back to the beginning, if you go right back to the garden, uh, or even before that, God is creating the world, and he's, and he's making lights, and he's making uh, the oceans, and he's making plants and animals. And after each of those, he says, it's good, it's good. And he make, creates man, it's very good. And then he looks at Adam, and he says, actually, this isn't good. It isn't good that you're alone. And so he creates Eve. You see, we were never designed to be alone. And we think we're smarter than God sometimes. And we think, oh, it's just me and God. Well, no, Adam was just him and God. And God said, that's not good. He said, actually, no, you need one another. You need relationship. You know, just thinking about that idea of, of, of suicide. The most famous suicide in the Bible is a guy called Judas. You think about Judas. Judas walked with Jesus, literally walked with Jesus, with God face to face in the flesh. He was that close to Jesus, and yet he still made such dumb decisions, betrayed Jesus, and committed suicide because of his regret around that. How is that even possible? Surely that's an indicator that it's not just about you and God. 
it's not just about you and Jesus. Because I think the problem for Judas is that he wasn't in genuine relationship with the other disciples. Because I reckon if he had told, it's say Thaddeus. He never gets a shout out. Thaddeus is one of the 12 disciples. Anybody know anything about Thaddeus? Exactly. He's listed there. If he had told Thaddeus, bro, you got a dumb name, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking about doing this, hey, you know, this Jesus guy, he's not all that. And, and, you know, he's not leading us to the victory that, you know, was foretold. And I reckon I can earn a bit of money on the side. If he had just mentioned it to someone else, that whole situation wouldn't have happened. If he had just been genuine and opened up and had relationship and been together with the other disciples, instead of just being off the side counting his money, then everything would have been different. You see, we are not designed for isolation. We're not designed to just do it by ourselves. Faith, I've heard this great, great quote, faith is personal but never private. Yes, it's about you and God, and there's a personal relation, but it's not private. Don't keep it under the covers. It's not it's never supposed to be just you and God. No one knows about it. No, it's you and God and, and the community of believers and the world around us as well. No man is an island. And actually, there's an ache in every one of us. May I mention it in prayer meeting, that we are to belong. We all want to belong. And that, I, I, I believe that ache will always be there until heaven. Because we're never going to know the fullness of belonging until we're face to face with Him. But there's an element where when we come together, some of that ache can be dealt with. There's a togetherness that, that fills that void. See, church is actually, I believe, far more about belonging than it is about believing. We often get caught up on, oh, we've got to believe the right doctrine. We've got to be, you know, be hold true to this stuff. And yes, we need to believe the core values of our faith and the, the doctrines, they are important, but actually far more important is that we belong to one another. We belong to God and we belong to one another because God is a God of relationship, not about rules. He's a God of, oh, 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 that, that's, that's it, that's it, that's so key. And we forget about it and we get caught up about, oh, this thing and that thing, and that's how the church has got so split and divided. If, instead of being united about, around our love for God and our love for one another. So why do we need to get it? Firstly, because we live in such a lonely world. And, and if, we're, if we're not together, then we will be lonely ourselves. Secondly, the re reason we need to be together is that we are stronger together. Stronger is the word for the weekend. We are stronger together. Not just together with Jesus, but together with one another, because growth happens together. Growth doesn't happen in isolation. If you think about it, isolation is actually in some ways easier. It's cleaner. It's, mess, it's less messy. It's, you know, uh, uh, I've got four daughters. I know our house would be cleaner. And it's, oh, it'd be so much tidier. If we didn't have them, but how less rich and how 
how empty our lives would be without that life there. You see, relationship is messy. Relationship is messy. Uh, my parents uh, have good friends who, who never had children, and I, I think they, they chose not to. And uh, I remember as a kid going around to their house, it was always spotless. And, uh, and you know, then us kids would come in and play cricket in the hallway and, and make, you know, uh, and I don't know how, how they felt about that. Um, but I haven't asked them since. But um, I just know that, that, that our, our lives need that mess. We need that relationship. We need to be together because that's where we grow. We, we fool ourselves in thinking that actually to grow, we need to know more. That's, that's a fallacy. You don't need deeper knowledge to grow in God. You need deeper relationship. You need deeper relationship with God and deeper relationship with one another. See, see selfishness is actually what isolation is about. We isolate because we, we're, we're selfish, and, and, and it's actually the devil's plan. He wants us all isolated because he knows when we come together, there is power. You might know the story of the Tower of Babel. The people were so together that God had to, to splinter them, to, to throw them away, uh, apart from each other because there was power there. They, weren't, they didn't even know the resurrection power of, of Jesus. He wasn't, you know hadn't come to earth there but but there was such power there in their togetherness the devil wants us separate he wants us apart because he knows when we're that we are not strong we are weak as a people because if you think about it, the only person that you can love in isolation is yourself when you're in isolation, it's all about you. And, and so often we don't come together for selfish reasons. And as I said, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's in relationship that we grow. It's in relation, because it's in relationship that we are challenged. It's that person that you come to church that you actually don't get on with that well. It's that person that, that comes and, and, and they support the Springboks and you support the All Blacks and, there's tension there, <laughs> but you have to love them because God calls you to. Proverbs 27, 17 says this. I love it. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I don't know if you've ever seen iron sharpening iron, but sparks fly when that happens. There, 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 there's, there's actually some, uh, I guess, tension there, but that sharpens one another. And we both, you both leave that relationship stronger and more effective in, in what God has called you to do. But if you live in isolation, you become blunted. Your effectiveness in the world becomes blunted when you pull back and when you isolate yourself. Because church is simply a bunch of friends encouraging one another to go higher in God. That's what church is about. We're just a bunch of friends spurring one another on to go further in our relationship with God. And when we do that, when we come together, then we grow. 
we become stronger. So that's the second reason why we need to be together, is that we are stronger together. And the third reason is that together speaks. Together speaks to the world around us. John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus speaking, he says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. See, the togetherness of us, the church, speaks to the world. It speaks to Timaru of the love of Jesus when we are together. It says, here's a group of people that are, that are very different, come from different backgrounds, different ages, different cultures. They've come together and they love each other, and they have a community and a place where they are one. Where does that happen? How does that happen? And even better, when I come into that community, they love me too. I feel a part of that togetherness. See, together speaks God's love loud and clear to the world around us. If you flip it on its head, when we're not together, speaks as well. When we're fighting and backbiting and in conflict and, and, and things aren't going well, that speaks. That speaks to the world that actually God is not present. God is not even real. Because He's a God of love. And if there ain't love there, where is He? So together speaks to the world around us. So there's three good reasons why we need to be together. But how do we do it? You know, is it just as simple as coming to church on a Sunday? I think that's part of it. But I think it goes far deeper than that. And today I just want to unwrap three itties. Three itties that we need to grow together. Our first itty is proximity. Proximity. Okay. It's... Proximity. It's hard to be together if we're not together. It makes sense, doesn't it? It's pretty hard to be together if we're not in the same place. You've got to be in proximity with one another. It seems like this isn't rocket science, but how often do we get this wrong? Acts 2, 1 to 2, says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. You see, if you want to see a suddenly in your life, you've got to be together. You've got to be in that place, in that proximity to him and to one another. I love that Jesus came in a time, and I think this was deliberate, when you had to connect with Jesus, you had to be in the room. There were a couple of incidences where, where you know, someone came to Jesus and, and he did something from afar, but even then there was a representative there with Jesus. You had to be in that place. You had to be you know, there when he was walking by. You had to be in the room 
with him when he was healing. You had to be in the synagogue. You had to be in proximity to Jesus. There's no live streaming Jesus back then. You can't, you can't just look at him on your phone. Hey, there's Jesus walking. No, you had to be there in proximity to him. It's, today, you know, we have it so easy. And yet there's still a desire to be in the room. Uh, if you, you think about it, big rock concerts and, and events like that, you know, you can listen to the music on your phone. Just put your Spotify account on and you got it. And yet people will still pay hundreds of dollars, thousands, to go to places and to be in the room with that artist, to be at that concert. Because there's power in that togetherness. There's power in that space. Of course, the worldly power of a rock concert has nothing compared to the godly power of, of his believers coming together. But for that to work, you have to be there. We all have to be there. I'd be very lonely if it's just me together by myself. <laughs> it doesn't work. We actually need to create some FOMO around church. You know what FOMO is? All you young people will know, if people, or if you have teenagers. FOMO is fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. And I, I know, I know the guys that didn't get along to Stronger, they missed out. They missed out on a, an amazing shared experience. Because it's not even just the, the experience itself, it's the sharing of the experience. It's doing it with one another. Being able to look at Richie and see what God is doing in his life. Uh, while in that space, see what he's doing in Matt's, or Jerry's, or anyone's lives, and, and sharing that with them. There's nothing like that. There's nothing that compares to that. So we've got to be in proximity, whether that's in a global prayer meeting on a Monday night, whether that's in our e-groups, whether that's going for a barbecue with friends, whether that's here in church. We need to be there in proximity. A lot of times we, we excuse ourselves. We say, oh, I'm too busy. And that's just that isolation thing happening again. You're not too busy. You've decided that you are too busy. Because if you actually valued it, you would be there. If you actually thought, no, this is important, you would make it happen. You know, we hide behind our busyness in the West. We hide behind our busyness. You know, you, you ask nine times out of ten, someone says, how was your week? Oh, yeah, it's been busy. No, it hasn't. You've just had a normal working week. But, but, but we, you know, we like to think we're busy. But it's such a key strategy of the enemy to isolate us. But this is what Proverbs 18, verse 1, reading from New King James Version says, A man or woman who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Rages against... You rage against wise judgment when you isolate yourself. I don't want to rage. That, that seems a pretty dumb thing to do. To rage against. Uh, I don't know, I've, I've got young children. Okay, just for a picture of raging against wise judgment. Okay, uh, it's like five degrees out there. You need to put your jersey No! I'm not putting my jersey on. I'm fine. I don't need it. I'll, you know, they rage against white judgment every day. Sometimes we're, we're, we're little children. We don't even realize 
We rage against wise judgment when we isolate ourselves. And we seek our own desire. It's that selfishness again. We seek our own desire. But God knows what is best for us. He knows that actually we need one another. We need to be together. So number one, for us to be together, we need to be in proximity. Number two, second itty, is we need vulnerability. Vulnerability. This kind of builds on the idea of proximity. And often, actually, I think we don't allow proximity because we're scared of vulnerability. We're scared of, well, what will they think of me? If they really knew me, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't want me in their church or in their group and be their friend. The trouble is we all think that. We're all insecure and we all, you know, if we were just vulnerable, we'd realize, hey, wow, they're just in the same boat as me. We need to be vulnerable to one another. Now, we need to have safe zones. I, I don't think you should display all your dirty washing to everybody. I don't think that's wise. You need to have, you know, friends who you've built up trust and, 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 and have that relationship with. You need to be wise about that. But I don't, I don't often see in the world that that, that problem, that you're, you're, you're being vulnerable with everybody. More in the West, I see the opposite, that we're not vulnerable with anybody, that, that we pretend that we've got it all together. And again, that's a lie of the enemy to isolate us, to keep us apart. That's why we push e-groups so much, because that, you know, we do, we do teaching in e-groups, we watch a video and stuff, and, and that's good. But if you go to an e-group just for, for, for teaching, you're missing it, the point. It's, it's actually about the relationship. It's actually about the connection. It's be, they can go beyond just a Sunday. Oh, how are you going? How's your week? It's about being able to pray for one another, support one another, love one another, be in one another's lives. That, that's why we, we push e-groups and beyond e-groups, you know. That, that's just one way we can connect. But we need to be doing it in multiple ways, going out for coffee and dessert or, or, or having people around for lunch. We need to be opening up our houses to one another. Paul, Paul says we need, need to practice hospitality. The reasons I think that we're not vulnerable, they're, they're, they're complex. But generally, I think it's because we've been hurt before or we're fearful that we'll be hurt again. Or again, it's that idea, oh, what, what will they think if they really knew me? If we think about those reasons, often they're based in pride. They're based in our thoughts about ourselves. There's this guy called Jesus. You might have heard of him. And there's this amazing passage. Um, and it's really complex and quite deep and uh, really long. So it'll take you a while to grasp it. But I just want to read it to you and see what you think of it. It's in John 11:35. Um, here it is. Okay, so it's the shortest passage in the Bible, but, but there's depth to it. Jesus wept. Jesus didn't feel he had to keep it all together. Now, the context of this 
is, uh, is Mary and Martha, their, their, their brother Lazarus, has died. And, and Jesus is a bit late to the, uh, to, to the healing that he was supposed to be bringing. And, uh, and so he does rock up eventually. And they are so upset and they are in tears. And Jesus wept. Jesus was vulnerable. And actually, if you read further on, um, the crowd, the people who are also there are discussing why, uh, you know, how much Lazarus meant to him. So, so obviously it was more than just Mary and Martha. Actually, there, was, there were a number of people. We don't know how many. My point is that Jesus, who was fully God and fully human, didn't feel he had to put on a front and show the world he had it all together. Actually, he was quite happy to let them know that he hurt. Let them know that this, this touched him. That actually he was happy to be vulnerable. And he didn't really care. So often, I think, we, we, we're like, oh, we don't want people to realize our, our hurt or our vulnerability. Jesus didn't care. He's our example. We need actually to follow that. Now, I know you might not all be criers. That's okay. But the principle there is that we are real, that we don't hide it back, that we are vulnerable with one another. Because it comes down to humility. Jesus was humble enough to, to, to just be who he was to let people know who he was. And you, you will have heard me say this many times if you've been here a while. In 1 Peter 5, 5 and in James 4, 6, it says this, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud, shows favor or grace to the humble. I don't know about you. I want God's favor on my life. And to get that, the the the, the the path to his favor is to be humble, to be humble enough to be real, to be vulnerable. And when we are vulnerable, there's a greater unity. There's a greater togetherness that happens. You know, our relationships go to a deeper level when we're real about how we're feeling because that's about trust. When you trust someone with something about yourself, they feel they can trust you with something about themselves. And the relationship deepens. And if we're to have true togetherness, we need to have those deeper relationships. So we need proximity. We need vulnerability. And thirdly, to be truly together, we need unity. You know, you can be together, but not together. You know, there could be a bunch of all Blacks and uh, Springbok supporters in the same room watching a game. They would be together, but they would not be together. Together. There would be a divide there. We can be in proximity and even with a degree of vulnerability and not have a togetherness in spirit. And obviously I'm talking, this goes far deeper than a silly game of rugby. Acts 2 talks about the believers. And this is what it says. A couple of passages. Acts 2, 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Acts 4, 32. 
All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They were one in heart and mind. That's a deeper level of together. One in heart and mind. That's together, together. That's unity. Unity in purpose, unity in direction, unity in heart and in mind. And, and also there was an incredibly radical unity in their, what they did with their possessions. Like they just gave to anyone in need. What, what, what's mine is yours. That's a whole nother level of togetherness that affects our pockets and is a challenge to us in our isolated, you know, New Zealand culture. But because of this, the early church exploded. The early church just went gangbusters because there was a unity and a togetherness about them. But it shouldn't surprise us. Go all the way back to the Psalms in the Old Testament, Psalm 133. I'll read you the whole Psalm. It's not very long. It says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now to understand this passage, you just need to know that oil represents the Holy Spirit. It represents God's presence. And so when God's people are together, living in unity, that's where God can pour out His Spirit. That's where God can bless His people. That's where the Lord bestows His blessing. If you want blessing on your life, if you want the favor of God, you need unity with one another. That's Kauai. That's also hard, though, because we've got to actually fight to protect this unity. This unity just doesn't happen just, just by us sitting in the same room together. Because we're people, because we're broken, because we have our own issues, there are going to come times when things are hard, when actually we are challenged by the people around us. And we've got to actually really work to be unified. And, and that can be hard. But Jesus tells us how to do it. He tells us in Matthew 18, and this is a key passage around fighting for unity. Matthew 18, verse 15 says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. If the other person listens and confesses that you have won that person back, but if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Now, that seems straightforward, but it's actually really hard. It is straightforward, but it's also very difficult. Because the way we want to handle it is if someone affronts us or offends us or hurts us, we want to go, the last person we want to go to is that person. We want to go to our friend, to our spouse, to our someone and tell them about our offense and tell them about what happened and, and, and get someone on our side and feel good about ourselves and a bit self-righteous and a bit of self-indignation around how they've treated us. And actually, that's not healthy at all. That's called gossip. 
and that actually creates more problems than it solves. That actually makes the issue far bigger than it needs to be. No, what we need to do is, well, actually, first we need to pray about it. We need to go, is this an issue that I need to deal with? Or is this actually something about me I just need to get over? But if it is something that's beyond just I need to get over it, then we need to go to that person in private. And if you need, arm yourself with this verse, you know, and, and don't go in there all guns blazing, accusing them, but go in there saying, hey, you know, be honest about how that's affected you and hurt you. And as I say, go with that verse and say, look, I, I want us to be good. Because I know that nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, that person is not aiming to hurt you. They've just inadvertently said something or done something that you've been misperceived and taken the wrong way. And, and there's just a misunderstanding and it can be sorted. It's when we stew on it and we take it to someone else and we make it a big thing that, you know, the devil's just having a field day. It's like, oh, wow, this is great. Look what I've stirred up there. No, 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 no. We need to protect our unity. And we need to just go to that person and just have a polite, loving conversation, pray with them and move beyond that point. Because that togetherness is so important. Without it, the Spirit of God can't flow in the same way. We go back to Psalm 133, that the Spirit that, that we want to feel in our lives and, and, and have, you know, change us, that won't flow if there's disunity. I just want uh, Matt to come on the keys. I just want to finish with, I'll read you a snippet of it. I want to just finish reading this this passage in Acts 2 of the early church, because in many ways, they're the model for us even today. In Acts 2, there's an amazing picture of the early church. And, and verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's so many elements of togetherness in that passage, in that picture of the early church. There's teaching together, hanging out together, eating together, praying together, seeing miracles together, giving to each other, regularly meeting in the temple courts together, that's church, regularly meeting in each other's homes together, that's e groups, they're regularly um, eating again, they like eating together. Um, uh, that just talks to me, they like, yeah, that's awesome, I like eating together. Uh, praising God together, enjoying God's favor together. So much togetherness in one place. But that is why the church exploded. That is why, if we could just get this, I reckon our church would explode. But instead, we slip into this Western mindset that, oh, actually, I don't need to, I don't need to be there this week. Once every two weeks is fine. Uh, you know, no, you'll never be together together if, if once a fortnight you come and meet people for an hour and a half. That's no togetherness. 
you just ticked it off your list. They're meeting daily. How about we have church daily? That's what the early church were doing. I'll see you tomorrow, guys. I don't have a school of feel. Uh, they're trying to assembly, and the church is gathering. Come on. But the thing of oh, I love this because it says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Out of this came incredible growth. Daily people being added. And this is, this is the point. Because being together is not about you. Being together is not about you. Because I've given you good reasons why it's important for you. Because we need to know that it's good for us. But actually, if we take out our consumeristic, selfish mindset and get a bit more godly in our perspective, actually, the benefit of us coming together is for the world around us. It's for others. It's all about others. Christianity, Jesus was all about others. He came to earth, not for himself, but for us. Our very togetherness will speak to others. So when we get in proximity and, and in vulnerability and unity, we're actually doing it not for us, although we benefit. We're doing it for the world around us. Because our proximity, when you're here, you can bless someone else. So many times I've been in church and a new person's come along and I'm like, oh, wow, you were connected so well. With oh, they're not here this week. We missed opportunity. Your proximity matters for other people. Vulnerability. When we're vulnerable, we give others permission to be vulnerable. I love that story of, of Jerry with his, his workmate. Jerry's obviously been vulnerable with him before, so, so that guy can be vulnerable back to him. And, it, and, and there's an opportunity for him to know some of the love of God through a prayer. Our vulnerability is not just about ourselves, it's about others. Our unity, we just talked about that. When we are together in unity, it's not just about us. It's about the people that come in and feel the presence of God. That experience the love of Christ because we are one together. Actually, our unity, our togetherness is about others. That doesn't seem, you know, you think our togetherness should be about us. It's not. Our togetherness is about the world we're trying to reach. And so we need to actively fight isolation in our lives. I think it's one of the key things that the enemy uses against us. Because isolation will keep us small. It will keep us limited. It will keep us stagnated in our walk with God. I actually had to learn this the hard way in leading a church. When I first came here about seven years ago, um, I was, I was, I thought, oh yeah, cool, we're going to plant a church, we'll do it. But I was actually quite isolated. I had a supervisor from Dunedin, but I wasn't overly well connected with with him or with other churches. And I've had to learn the hard way. But we are so much stronger together. You know, we had stronger conference yesterday, and we had, you know, churches from from Nelson and Christchurch and West Coast and Cromwell and Dunedin all coming together and we could do something so much bigger and better because we were together. We could never do that ourselves. We could never create that yet by ourselves. But when when we are together, there's power. I need to need to learn that in my in my leadership of a church. I need to fight that isolation. 
So actually, I, every month or two, I have to get on a plane and go to Auckland. I don't have to, but I choose to because it keeps me in relationship with other pastors and our movement around that. I don't actually want to go to Auckland. I'd rather be at home with my family. Every, I had to drive to Christchurch to connect with other pastors. I don't really want to do that boring drive, but I do it because I know that I've got to fight this idea of isolation in my life. And we need to fight that idea. You need to get in your car and drive to church. You need to get in your car and drive to e-group. You need to make the effort to fight that sense of isolation. Because isolation will whisper, oh, you don't need to go this Sunday. Ah, oh, you don't need to get into any group. Ah, oh, you don't need to be open and vulnerable to that person. You don't need to go to that prayer meeting. You don't need to have that coffee. You're too busy. They'll just hurt you. You'll just get burned out. Whatever the reason is, the enemy's whispering, and he's just doing it to isolate you. Just doing it to isolate you. When we stop doing it, when we stop holding each other at arm's length, and we embrace not just God, but one another, that is when the church will move forward. That's why I say this together idea is, I think, the most important, the most key of our heartbeats. Why don't you stand with me? I know that I can't, I can preach to my little heart. Done. But actually, this, something's got to happen in you. Something's got to shift in you. And only God can do that. You have to be open to Him doing that. Because you can still harden your heart and go, oh, He just wants better numbers on Sunday. He just wants people to, no, oh, I don't care about the numbers. I want you connected with God and other people so that you can grow and we can reach our world. We can reach our world together, but we can't do it in isolation. So actually, I want to lead you in a prayer. Is that okay? If I like pray a line and you, and if you don't feel like you can pray it, that's okay. Don't pray. Well, my heart's prayer is that you, you can join us together and we can fight this isolationism that is so prevalent in our world. So let's pray. So I'll pray a line, you pray. Dear God, I come against isolation in my life. Today I commit to proximity, to coming together. Today I commit to vulnerability, to being real. And today I commit to unity, to fight for unity with my brothers and sisters. God, grow us together in love for one another and the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Give your neighbor a high five. Say, I'm together with you. Awesome. Just before I hand it back to Maya, I just want to say, you know, action this in your life. We'll see you next Sunday. But, but also action it in, in your relationships, in e-groups. Find an e-group. We've got five e-groups. And I'm sure there's one for you. And if there's not, we can start another one. 
you know, you can lead an e-group. Uh, we, can, we can make things happen. But we need to, you know, get in those spaces beyond just here and take someone out for coffee. Go out for lunch with someone today. Well, come on, let's be together, together. Amen. What a good word. Let's give them hands. I love that. So I think, oh, that's a, that's a community I want to be a part of. That's a community I want to be a part of. And there's a place for each one of us here. Before we close the service, I want to give you an opportunity, perhaps today, to respond to the gospel, to respond to the love of God, because there is a place here. There are many places here for more people to be added. So let's just take a moment. I, in that scripture I read before from Romans 8, there's no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That love of God is seen in Jesus. When He died on a cross, He took the weight, He took the guilt for all of our sins. Everything that separated us from God was laid upon Him and dealt with so that the way is free for us to have relationship with God. And so I want you to consider today, where am I at with God? Am I a Christian? Do I need to start afresh? So why don't you just all close your eyes just to, just to give each other a bit of space. Perhaps you're here today and you haven't made a decision yet to follow Jesus. Or well, then this is your opportunity. Or perhaps you're in another category. You say, yeah, I have a relationship with God, but it's, it's not, it, I couldn't say that I'm really walking in it. I need to start again. I want to recommit my life to God. If you're in one of those two categories, just put your hand up so I can see who you are. I can pray with you. Who here today wants to do that? Yeah, I see that hand. Is there anyone else here today who wants to join? Can I pray for you? Okay. We're going to pray together. How about we all pray together? You know, it's an element of, of saying that unity. And I'll pray a line, you can pray a line, and whoa. I don't know what that was. Okay, I'm going to pray a line. You can pray a line together. And just to stand with this person as they recommit their life to God. Okay. Father God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. So that I am no longer guilty. I choose today to walk into relationship with you. Take me by the hand. Lead me on. I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have set me free. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to catch up with you afterwards. Um, I'm going to hand back over to Narisha. We're going to finish with a song. But make sure you stick around afterwards. You cannot hear a message on there and think, I'm just going to get home and do that thing. Because, you know, like that thing will wait. It'll still be there. Stick around. Get to know someone new. Invite someone around for lunch. It is a beautiful day. Let's spend it together. Thanks, Narisha. Awesome. Let's all join back together. Hey.
Sunday outside, hopefully. Stick around, let's stay together and have a coffee in the foyer. Awesome church.